Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm joined by Jamie Norrington, owner and founder of Fedara's People Consultancy and Recruitment. Jamie's going to be telling us about his career path, starting out in retail and then working up and starting his own company in recruitment. We're going to be talking about working in the tech space and Jamie's going to give some top tips on how to kickstart your career in tech, degree or no degree. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Um, how's it going? How was the Easter weekend for you? What did you get up to? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was um, quite relaxing, which was nice. Probably the first weekend in a long time when I've not had to uh, go very far or do much. Um, I didn't consume copious amounts of chocolate, so I'm quite boring. Nice. Um, <laughs> but no, it was just, it was a good one. It was nice to relax. I, I was trying to be. I was trying to be. Mm. The leftovers that were sat on the side on the monday morning were quite tempting i must admit but uh but no i was quite reserved which is good bit of a bit of a break or were you working through uh so i worked on the friday i tend to work the bank holidays because i know no one's going to bug me or bother me so mm. monday saturday and the month so friday saturday and monday i worked and then just had easter sunday off so um i try not to make too much of a habit of it if i can but sometimes admin there's a list of stuff that's ever growing so i guess that's the thing trying to find that work-life balance when you're running a business it's uh that's the tough bit i think it's um as much as i hate to admit it it's a lifestyle unfortunately mm. at the moment especially in that first few years i think you can't really take your off the ball too much um so yeah have to do what you have to do yeah. but i enjoy it so that's a good thing so that's a good that is a good thing that's the that's the positive spin on it so let's have a let's let's kick it off and talk a little bit about your education. You studied uh, a little bit later on after a short career in sort of retail, didn't you? Yeah. So I studied a business management degree at the UEA. Um, I was quite fortunate that it was a course that was really aimed towards people who are working full time. A lot of the people on the course were there, funded by their employers. Um, I wasn't, but I was still working a full time job in retail around the degree. Um, I was lucky that my boss was quite flexible with hours um, and the days, but yeah, it was it was tough when you're finishing the stores closing at nine o'clock at night, and you know you've got to go home and chip away at that ten thousand word dissertation. It does mentally challenge you a couple of times. So, but no, it was a good degree. Have I ever used it? I don't think I ever have. I'm not consciously ever used it. Subconsciously, I probably use it every day. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a good course. It was a good it was a good starting point. It's, it's funny you say that, you know, trying to fit that in within, within, within a work life. Because obviously you were working in retail. What did you, what did you think that was like for you? What did, you know, what were the perks do you think of working a, a retail job? I think the retail job was, uh, I think the because I, I, I'm, I was a manager at the time, so I made it to into a management position while I was studying. So the pressures for me were probably slightly different. Um, I think it really just it just gave me a different focus outside of the degree. Um, and I think it actually probably helped me to become more rigid with my time. You know, it's like you have a deadline that's six weeks away. Hmm. You leave it for five weeks and you do it at the last week, don't you? Most people do, or most students. But I think for me, because my time was so limited because I was working full time, I had to manage my time better. Um, I still left it to the last minute because that's just me as a person. Um, <laughs> but I, I tried as best I could to to do it so yeah i think it just helped me to become a bit more rigid probably the benefit um mm. stressful <laughs> it is I'm, I'm someone who worked um 
from quite a young age. I had sort of first job was around 15 and then they had a few sort of different jobs in, in retail positions and things. And I've always thought it's it's such an important sort of step to take working in retail because it gives you those experiences that you just don't really get in any other roles and you don't really get in education, you know, customer facing and, and you know, managing a schedule and working to a routine and, you know, having to hit targets and things like that obviously education you 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 know you're socializing with friends and peers around your age and you're you know having to meet deadlines but you don't quite have the responsibility you have necessarily in retail role do you think that there's certain benefits you get from retail that you don't necessarily see in someone who's just solely been in education yeah i think it teaches you how to deal with you know you learn how to be an employee which I know in today's world is an interesting topic and people say, you know, go and start your own business. But being an employee teaches you how to work. It teaches you, especially in retail, how to be customer facing and deal with so many different people from different backgrounds. Um, you learn how to work as part of a team, usually, um, if you're in a big enough in a big enough retail place. Um, and I think it just teaches you how to how to work, just gives you work ethic, you know. Retail is not an easy career. It's not an easy job. Um, I think most people think retail is easy. You know, you go into a shop, you sort clothes out or you work in Tesco and you stack shelves. It's like, yeah, but there's a, you know, you're, you're providing a service still. It's just in a very different manner. Um, and I think that's the thing. I Like working in recruitment now, I do see a big difference between people that come straight out of uni and go into a job because they don't know how to be in a workplace and that is a skill in itself where the people that have maybe had a couple of jobs, gone to uni, they understand how to, to work somewhere. They understand like that workplace etiquette mm. um, and retail definitely teaches you that. And it's a relatively low barrier entry, like into a workplace, same as working in a bar or a restaurant, you know, it's relatively simple to get into. So with what you're doing now, do you see a lot of people come through who have who've worked those sort of retail roles and things? Or do you, do you mainly see graduates? Um, I think it's a mixture. I think you can see how times have changed. I think a lot more students now work during their degree because they sort of have to, to be able to make ends meet, um, which, yes, puts an element of pressure. If you're studying, you're trying, especially if you're studying quite an intent. My, my degree was quite loose, I would say. It was so broad you probably could have passed it with a textbook. But if you're studying to be, say, a solicitor or you're studying medicine or something, you know, that's that's obviously a very intensive career path. Mm. Um, but I think to make ends meet now, people have to work, which isn't a bad thing because I think actually it shows employers that you can juggle the two. You can, and you're interested in self-development as well as working. And I think that, like, is a good skill for people to have. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a mixture it's a mixture really, but I think as times become harder, people have to go and get little jobs, be that in the shop at the university or behind the nightclub that's local to the to where they're studying. So, so and and obviously you were studying a, a business degree. Did you find that you know you you were working retail before you started the degree? Did you find that once you started that degree and started studying, that it it made you enjoy the work that you were doing a little bit more in terms of the retail because you were being able to sort of apply that kind of logic to it of thinking about this as a whole business rather than just as a as a job that was giving you money basically yeah probably to an extent i think and like i said i i was a manager at the time i was a i was working for nike i was a, a clothing manager and we were responsible for our own financials like on our set department so the store was split sort of 50 50 in terms of footwear and and clothing 
So I think the degree taught me about the financial side of things. I've been able to contextualize financials and explain what they meant. Um, it got me very uh, confident in terms of being able to pitch. So we would do a walk around every week and every month the regional manager would come down. You would have to almost present the department to them in terms of financials and knowing oh, really? the figures. So that the degree helped me to do that because we were doing like costing and accountancy and stuff like that and, and sort of financials in the degree. But then from a, a HR standpoint, we were responsible for our teams and we were studying HR at, at uni and we'd only done a very little amount, but enough to have a basic understanding of employment law and sort of the ways in which you need to talk to people and how the process of, of HR. So I guess the more I sit and reflect, yes, I probably did use my degree quite a lot and it probably did help me to enjoy my job more. It's a big company as well to work for. I mean, the ones I worked for just sort of, well, they're almost independent um, places. What was it like working in a, in, a, in a big corporation like that? I think for me, I just love the brand. I'm a real big, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a real big, I'm a real big trainer fan. Like I, I love yeah. trainers and, and like streetwear and fashion. So for me to work for Nike was quite cool when people go where do you work you say i work for nike don't matter if you work in a retail store people are like oh really like, that's really cool and then they usually go can i get a discount and it's like okay. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i think well. <laughs> yeah of course if you could you you always did but i think for me it was i think i love the brand i love the ethos and the values of the brand the people that i work with were great um the job retail it's, it's not an amazing job is it but mm. i think realistically if you enjoy where you work and you enjoy the people you can almost deal with the um like the job itself like i i know what people in my equivalent position are on now monetary wise to what i was on and it's basically double really yeah so my salary at the time was about 16 and a half grand a year as a floor manager in a 10 million pound turnover store really but yeah. even um so at the time when i was working there i was interviewing for jobs in london Nike was a great door opener. Like it helped me to get into other jobs. And I took a retail job after Nike. I went somewhere else and then went back into retail and worked for Skechers, um, which is a bit of a difference to Nike, obviously with clientele. <laughs> yeah. But but that the the door was open. It helped me to open the door. The brand weighed more than my actual role. Mm. But even when I was interviewing in London at the time, like I was still only being offered like eighteen or nineteen grand a year. Really? And like to work in the centre of London for 19 grand a year and you're going you know and that was only back in 20 what year did the store the store opened in 2014 i think so it wasn't you know 16 grand but the, the salaries doubled in eight years and i think that's purely because of how the stores performed but also um you know with living wage going up and things like that but when i look back i was like i was on 16 and a half grand working for a massive company <laughs> which is um did you did you still feel you know it is a it is a massive company did they have ways of sort of making you still feel connected and and as a small of a, a small group you know yeah i think like it was an american it's an american business they love all of like the clapping and the cheering and you know yeah. all this sort of stuff and it's like we you weren't called a manager you were called a coach and you had an a, your assistant manager as assistant head coach and the staff were athletes and mm. um you know, like there's no finish line. And if you have a body, you are an athlete, you know, it, like all these real gimmicky American things. And when you did store openings and you're standing outside the store doing chants and it's, um, 
you really have to buy into that, I think, to yeah. work there. But they um, they were very good at keeping people connected. There was opportunities to work in other stores. And so that's the thing. I think probably as a retail job, it's not a bulk. I never saw it as a bulk standard retail role. So um, you've spoken a little bit there about, you know, retail may may not be the the career that everyone aspires to or that people think oh, I want to go and get a start my career in retail but I think there's some similarity of that you've said to me before with working in recruitment people consultancy is like it's not something you necessarily think about you're always looking at finding recruiters to, to help you get the job you want you don't think about that actually as its own career path how did you start to find find your way in recruitment yeah I think the the age-old joke in recruitment is I fell into it or recruitment yeah. chose me I didn't choose it because I think you're right who Whoever thought, whoever, whoever woke up one morning and went, I'm going to become a recruiter. You know, I think um, recruitment is there and people see like the crazy OTEs and the amount of money you could potentially earn. And I think that's what attracts people in. Um, I think for me, it was, I was just a very, very good at the people piece. I'd, I'd never, I didn't even know how recruitment worked when I first went for the interview. Um but as I had the interview and I started chatting and the gentleman who's who's a really good friend of mine now who first hired me into recruitment, he explained, you know, it's just it's just a process and it's just about people. If you're good with people, you will succeed in this career as well as being as much like a hunter. You've you've got to go out and get the word, yeah. you know, you've got to be driven. Um you can't sit on the peripheral in this in this world. You've got to be fully immersed. A lifestyle. I started my career in education recruitment back in 2017. Um, did that for about nine months and then said, do you know what? Actually, I want to change sectors. Um, let's go into technology. You know, it's growing. It's something I have an interest in. Um, and then got my first tech recruitment job in 2018. And yeah, five years later, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> nice. So the education recruitment, then that was you were working with specific schools or you were working with individuals finding them work within schools or how did that work? Yeah. So it's a mixture. So recruitment is, is almost like a pairing, a matching process. So um, in, in education, for example, you've got schools that are looking for certain teachers and then you're going out into the job market and to find these teachers for the schools. Um, it could also be the flip side where you've got, a teacher that's looking for a job or a candidate that's looking for a job and you need to try and find them. You may not have a job for them, but you are going to help them find a job. So um, we supported schools on a, anything from secondary to primary, teachers, TAs, support staff. Um, it's a it's a really good industry to work in. Um, very loyal, um, but it's very, very candidate short. So what kind of, what kind of skills do you find that that really helped you be a successful recruiter uh, when you're working in education and recruitment? What, what were the things that really sort of helped you get those people into those jobs and, and you know, made you successful in that role? I think it was it literally just the people piece. So, you know, understanding people, not trying to jam them into a role that doesn't suit them, understanding who they are, playing that matching process you know being empathetic to people people have things that go on in their lives and you know you you just have to i think you just have to almost be like you're like a friend almost you're, you're guiding them in their career is that consultative approach 
Um, I've always really, I've always done really well when it comes to people, getting on with people and being a good judge of character. That's really like where my biggest skill lies. So being in recruitment works for me. Um, the retail background probably helps because I've dealt with members of the public. I've dealt with a team of people that were aged between about 16 and in their mid to late thirties, all the way from, you know, senior execs, people who were sort of directors all the way down to, you know, people that are coming on four hour contracts. So I think if you're very people centric, you would be very good at recruitment, especially in education, because it is very much about the person. Um, you can probably think like the teachers that you got on with really well at school, yeah, yeah. the more personable ones. So and it's the same process. If I'm looking for, at that time, I was looking for, for personable teachers that had the skills, but could entertain a class and really engage people. So if they were engaging with me, chances are they're going to be quite good in the classroom. So, so yeah, that was sort of my, my role. Really. Now I know obviously you, you, Stuart was one of your, one of your English teachers. <laughs> uh, did, yeah. did you, did you find yourself looking for that kind of character when you were recruiting teachers? Yeah, I did. I think I almost put myself in the position and thought, right, in a, in a secondary school setting, who engaged me? Stuart was definitely one of those, purely because we were usually battling over technology and he was he was just ab he sounds really bad. He was just abnormal. He was such a different person. <laughs> like you like and that's the nicest way to put it. He was such a different sort of person. Um yeah, tune, so, yeah, tune, prob- tune into his episode if you want to hear about that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Example of what Stuart's like. <laughs> but he's um yeah, you know, and I think I look at his teaching style and I and I think about some of the kids who were in my class who were just nightmares. And everyone respected him. So you do look at, but it was because he was engaging. That's all it was. You, you, he treated you like a person. I think that's the biggest thing. So yes, probably for me, the teachers that were very engaging with me and and wanted to have a conversation and were very open about themselves and, you know, were just really great people to talk to. Those are the Mm. people that I warm to more so. um, And the ones that I would happily represent. And I think that's the biggest thing in recruitment. You have to buy into the people that you're representing. You have to have faith that they can do the job. If you don't have faith they can do the job, then you shouldn't represent them for that role. Um, Hmm. There's a role for everyone, but you've really got to trust the people that you're working with. So let's let's talk a little bit about then your move out of uh, education recruitment and you say into Pure Gym. What was was the decision there behind that one? Yeah, so I guess... um, so I had almost gone, so I guess to probably rewind. So when I, when I was in education recruitment, I was there for probably just over nine months. I then bounced between three or four other recruitment agencies between then and Pure Gym. The last recruitment agency I worked with, I felt like I found my home. Um, recruitment is a space, I think personally, where you have to find the right culture to work in. Now, you either have businesses that are really rigid and very KPI driven. So you have to hit your calls. You have to do so many hours on the phone. You have to send so many CVs. You need so many jobs, which is great. I think when you're starting off because it gives you structure and everyone needs the structure when they start. But I think for me, having come from that retail background and sort of being very headstrong, I just needed someone to give me a platform and I just needed to be left alone. So it wasn't until I found my, the last recruitment agency I worked for, did I find that. 
their attitude was, as long as you are doing what you do, you need to do to make money, I don't care what you do. And that, okay. that, suit, that suited me really well. But mm. maybe for someone new into recruitment, it probably wouldn't suit them because they don't have a concept of like what good looks like. Um, and from there, that's when I joined. So the last recruitment agency I was at, I think I got to a point where I was like, I want to go and try something new. Um, so I went to Pure Gym and went internal into an internal recruitment role. Um, so just dealing with just pure gym. So that was, um, I think it was just purely down to wanting to try something new. Because so. it's, yeah, it's internal recruitment. So I guess it's a whole different, a whole different kind of spectrum of the work. It's, you know, you're, you're looking at people to work for the company you're at, the so people that are going to help you. And, and, and also you're going to be dealing with the people above you to what they want, if that makes sense. So it's normally you're dealing with I assume sort of the person who's hiring for that specific role and that specific area, whereas you're then dealing with the CEO, COO and, and people like that for the company. Yeah, it's correct. And I think the biggest difference between agency and internal recruitment is internal. You, you have the red tape to deal with. You're dealing with competing priorities, be that for me, it was the tech team and HR and the people function and recruitment. And you're, you're having to balance all of the stakeholders that you have to deal with. Um, you have more than just your role in terms of just filling jobs. It's the brand. Like, for example, they were a math, Pure Gym are a huge tech employer. Most people really? really don't even know. Yeah, people don't, people don't even know that. So that was the big point was how do you establish yourself as a tech employer? So you're looking at brand, you're looking at the applicant process. So is it seamless? You're designing interview process. You know, we were sitting in um, just in the December before I left, we was in Southampton at their tech office. We're sitting in a meeting. There's, I'm probably the most junior person in the room with all the heads of and the chief people officer. And they're deciding about their recruitment plan going forward. You've got one end of the table that want to do one thing. You've got one end of the table to do the other. For me, I'm sitting in the middle because I just want to make, I just want to hire people. So there's a lot more, um, you're a lot more involved than you are in agency. In agency recruitment, you really don't care about that as long as the jobs come out to you and the process is quick and you can fill them and you can make money. That's mm. probably the two biggest differences. So certain people, I think, fit certain models. If you're a good agency recruit, it doesn't mean you're going to be a good internal and vice versa. Hmm. So there's two there's two real different uh, routes to follow there in recruitment. It's not just a case of you're hiring people for jobs that you can go internal or you can go in terms of agency and, and you're going to find a completely different people working there in a completely different environment. Yeah, I think if you want to be, um, if you have a keen interest in HR, go into internal recruitment hmm. because it will be the closest you ever get to HR because you have to deal with people internally you're dealing you're very close to the hr team usually if you're a talent acquisition specialist or like a talent person um it's a very different way of recruiting you can't hide if someone asks you if you've got any candidates you can ignore the email on your screen if you're an agency recruiter for a day hmm. while you're looking for people whereas in internal you can't do that because they know you're on teams they know where you're sitting they can just come over and tap you on the shoulder if you're in the office you know um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's yeah it's a very very different way of recruiting for me wasn't my style i didn't i didn't enjoy being that close to the red tape mm. so is it from there then you decided to set up your own recruitment agency yeah i think i had i had an opportunity to do it um my parents and a family friend sort of 
club the money together for me to start. And it was something I'd considered for a long time. Um, funnily enough, I was sitting with a friend of mine yesterday and he said to me, he said, I think if you'd have started this business two years ago, I wouldn't have thought you was ready or three mm. years ago. He said, whereas I think when you started it, you felt you was ready, weren't you? I said, yeah, I, I felt like I had the knowledge and the expertise to go and do it. Um, so yeah, decided to start it, spun up a website and a name in about 48 hours and there we go. We were, we were off and running. So yeah. I think that's, that's, that's all it takes really at the moment, isn't it? Just being able to just start off a website, which is a pretty straightforward thing to do and give yourself a good name that you can get behind and then start, start marketing yourself, I guess. Yeah. And I think for me, most people said I was crazy because I'd only had at that point about four years experience in recruitment. Mm. um you know you're not established you don't have a name and that's like you know what actually it's probably a good thing in ways because then i could do it my way Mm. i wasn't um stuck or being rigid on processes that i'd been taught it's quite an archaic sector recruitment you know it doesn't really adopt technology as much as it should do um there's a lot of people who have been in it for 20 30 40 years and are still recruiting the same way whereas Maybe I do it differently. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? I'm here 16 months later, so I must be doing something right. Yeah, um, still going strong. <laughs> I'm still going strong. So, you know, I think, um, I think, yeah, people said I was crazy to start it, but I think sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith. And I think opportunities arise and you have to, you either take it, you either walk through that door, or you go and choose a different door to go through, don't you? Hmm. So. So what was what was the first sort of few clients? Where did you find yourself, or were you did you set out to to work with tech recruitment, or did is it something that you as you say with recruitment kind of fell into? No, I think um, I think for me, like when the business started, client wise, I had my first. I, I knew tech, I knew tech. I'd done it for long enough to sort of go, okay, let's do tech recruitment. But when I first started my recruitment journey, I didn't set out to be a tech recruiter. Um, I thought I'd be in education forever. Mm. Um, I think for me, I enjoy the sector. Some of the things that are happening in this space at the moment are just mind blowing. Like I speak to some people that, are I spoke to a guy the other day and he was part of the project that built Siri. Like we're talking to people that have built things that are used frequently millions and millions of times a day across the whole world, you know? So I think for me, the sector is just interesting. And I always felt like I had to recruit in a sector I found interesting to really immerse myself. Mm. So. That's good. so that's where your 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 first client was from was from a from a from a tech industry. Yeah, it was all it was all tech. So the business that I worked with was a cloud consulting company. I probably had no right to work with them. I was a startup business. They're a seriously large organization um, with subsidiaries, um, which was great. So they helped me first, and then. I was very fortunate that the relationships I'd built through being good at this people piece previously had come back around. So I had clients who were very, very supportive of wanting to help me move on and wanting to help my business to grow. Um, It's really interesting. You do really find out who is your friend and supporter when you start your own business. Hmm. You really, really do. Um, And a lot of the clients I have now all say we work with you because we really want to see you succeed and i like that i think that you know that's a you know obviously it's because we do good work too but that was their sentiment their sentiment was you know we want to see you succeed how can we help you 
Um, and they're true. They're not really clients. I'd say they're my friends um, in a very professional manner. I want to talk a little bit about working in the, the tech industry. Cause it's something that interests me a lot. And uh, having studied something that's very uh, tech-based, I guess, you know, VFX and, and animation and things, it's um, it's something that's, yeah, in- interests me for a long while. So I kind of want to know what, what are the key things you really look for for someone who's now wanting to maybe start a career in tech and, and what, what kind of jobs are available at the moment and, and, you know, what the market's like. So I guess to start off with, like, what... what the people you're taking on and the people you're putting into placements, what kind of background are they coming from? What kind of education do they have? And, you know, what are you looking for? Yeah, of course. I think um, from a from a background perspective, it's so varied because hmm. I think the barriers to entry in IT are so much lower than they maybe were 10 years ago. If you look at the conventional education route, it's people that have come from a computer science background, most mm-hmm. likely, or it, now more so it's people that have say gone and studied a degree in history and then have gone, I'm going to go do a master's in data science. Um, I had someone who'd done a degree in geography and she'd done some uh, Python coding to do with data that they were doing. And yeah. she said, Oh, actually I'm really interested in that. She's now gone on to study. Well, she's now gone to North Coders, which is the coding boot camp based up in Leeds. The government put money into that into North Coders, uh, I think, at the start of this year, back end of last year, and they are offering so many free places to upskill people into tech roles. Oh wow! Um, which is really interesting. So I think it's really diverse. And then you've got the self-taught route. There was a gentleman I know who was a he was a recruiter. He was on furlough during the pandemic. He taught himself how to code front in the front end, so JavaScript, HTML, CSS. Um, he's now a web developer at an agency based in Kings Lynn. So, and he's purely self-taught. Bought a course, did the hard miles. Um, so there isn't really. I think it's still very uh, degree heavy. Hmm. People people favour those that have come from a degree background, but I think as the access to information has increased. I think over the next few years, we'll see people coming through that maybe haven't gone that conventional route. Um, or some people have gone through apprenticeships. There's a lot more apprenticeships now in coding and, and IT support. People might have, you know, you can, and a first line IT support role, you don't have to be super technical to do that role. You have to know how to use a computer, obviously, but you can, it's very customer centric. There's people mm-hmm. that have gone from, you know, maybe 19, 20 grand IT support, first line IT support roles and are now earning, 800 to a thousand pounds a day contracting eight nine years later so i think yeah the, the route in terms of in i think it's so diverse now which is great it's fantastic that's how it should be and you said about the differences there between you know what people are studying and and how they're studying do you, do you think that you know maybe doing an open university degree or just doing one of those online courses on udemy or something like that is it? Do you still think it's as valuable? Do you think it holds different benefits to having a more conventional degree? I think I had a mixed opinion on this for a mm. long time. I used to think that, you know, and this is my blunt ignorance probably to open university <laughs> and things like that. I think from an open university perspective, I always used to think, well, you pay per unit. You don't have to hit a deadline. You can just carry that on as long as you want. It's probably not as loose as that but that's what my opinion was but having finished university and tried to study little courses on my own when you have no time limit 
and no structure, it is so difficult to learn. Hmm. So I actually now think the people that do Open University and do an Udemy or do a plural site course, whatever it may be, you've got to give some props to these people because to motivate yourself to study when you have no support network around you, I think that takes a very special sort of person. And that's a lot of dedication. Um, and I Especially think the difference if you are being, balancing things up with like a, a, another job 100%. and family and stuff, yeah. 100%. Imagine, imagine you're doing your retail job. Your store closes at 7. You've got there at 10. You've done 10 till 7. You come home. You have dinner. You see your partner. You see your child. It's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, and you're having to get your laptop out to study a coding course. Hmm or you're studying a design course or you're studying animation, you know, videography, whatever it may be, or you might be doing a, a, anything. It doesn't have to be tech, but imagine being in that position. That's, that takes some serious dedication to mm. juggle life, full-time job and a career change or studying something new. So yeah, I, I give, I give props and plaudits to all these people. And I don't think it's not as, um, it's still not recognized as much as it should be. I think it shows a lot about the person who's willing to go on that journey. Mm, definitely. It's uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's something, you know, I, I could manage now taking on another, another degree. And I think I hold too much, uh, <laughs> uh, too much pride in the fact that I paid a lot of money to go and study. So I, I can't, I can't justify me now doing it for half the price, if not even less. <laughs> and I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? People look at it and go, I think if you're being really honest with yourself, if you're not doing a degree as a solicitor or you're not doing a medical degree, you can probably have passed your degree using a textbook, mm. right? YouTube. So, <laughs> and YouTube, right? Yeah. So, so you have to then question who are the bigger fools, us that paid £9,000 a year or the people that are doing open university? Mm. You know, and I think the, as, as the world changes degrees will slowly teeter away i know a lot of the universities are seeing less admission admissions into their because they, they don't need to people don't need to go to university anymore hmm. you can do things via the internet especially in the tech space um so i think we'll see a massive shift again in the next five to ten years um you know especially with chat gpt looks like everyone mm. can do any job you want with chat gpt so yeah. i know yeah, a couple of people that have had speeches and essays and stuff they've kind of gotten through with that so i don't i don't endorse yeah. that at all though i don't either please yeah please don't <laughs> quote me on that <laughs> so if, if someone is looking to to you know get a little jump start now and, and go and study something to to maybe change career path or or now start one out in tech where, where are the places you would say to go online to find that information and to look at those courses yeah, so I would say it's twofold. I said, firstly, you need to figure out where your interests lie. Um, technology is no longer just coders sat in a room tapping away on their keyboard. You know, if you, you could go into project management, software development, cloud computing and DevOps, IT support, design, UI, UX, mobile development, like it, it, the, the depth of what you can do is so vast. Mm. Um, so you probably need to figure out where your skills lie. Now to do that, you probably need to talk to people. The one great thing about the tech world is the community is huge and it's very, very supportive. Um, so get on LinkedIn, connect with people, join forums, go on Reddit, you know, go to networking events, go to these places and don't be frightened that you don't know anything because these people will, 
will respect you for just turning up to learn. You will sit in conference, you could go to a networking event and they'll be talking about blockchain development and how they're building this, building that. And even I sit there and go, this is far beyond my mindset and my, my ability to learn. But when you're in the room and you say to someone, what does that actually mean? I do it now. I speak to people and I say, what do you actually do in your day job? They have so much more respect for you than claiming you know what you don't know. Mm. Um, so that would be my, my first thing. But there's so many different courses. You know, there's Code Academy. There's Free Code Camp on YouTube if you just want to start doing little bits for free and just get a baseline knowledge. Um, you've got Plural Site if you want to pay some extra money. Uh, there is things like the coding boot camps. Um, like I said, North Coders is a great place to look as well. You do have to pass a coding task to get onto that though, but mm -hmm. they give you a lot more time to sort of, I guess, gain a baseline knowledge. Um, I think the thing is, it's just, there's so much information. It's deciphering what is good information and what is not good information. So, but I always always say as a shameless plug for me, if you're ever looking to get into tech career and you're listening and you're still thinking, how the hell do I do it? Reach out to me. I will always help people or always advise people or point them in the direction or connect them with someone who can help. Um, I don't claim to know it all, but I've got a decent network of people that do know what they know very well. Hmm. Well, it's different. I could certainly give you a plug there. I don't mind doing that whatsoever. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit about so yeah what you're what you're doing then and how you're helping people get into jobs. What kind of areas you're looking at? Yeah, of course. So a lot of the um, a lot of the career paths that I recruit for usually, well, a lot of the people I recruit for are, are high level. So it's not. Um, I can't say if you come to me, I can definitely get you a job at that most of the salaries I work at are 50k and above so mm. a lot more senior end but I think for me it's just about connecting you into the network into the community you know here's okay I'm interested in DevOps okay well here's a DevOps forum and here's some networking events that might be interesting to you if you're in London or you're in Norwich or you're up north you know there's always places to go um, I think also it's about understanding where your passions lie so the lady that I was speaking to that's now gone to do North Coders she always had an interest in coding. She liked the process. She was really into like being organized. She really liked the idea of maybe venturing a bit more down like the support route and still being very people centric. So she's gone to do, I think she's gone to do DevOps um, to like cloud computing. Um, wow. And I think she wants to go into consultancy. So working with an end client to talk about the products that they need and how her business, wherever she works, can help build them. So she's keeping that people piece, yes. but she's doing it in a technical capacity. That's a rapid um, progression. That's good. Yeah. So she'll, but but she's put the work in. Mm. I think that's the key thing. Yes. Okay. I've pointed her in directions and said this could be a route. This could be a route. This could be a route. I've not put her. I've not got her into there. She's gone to have. She passed the tech test herself. She's done all the information. She spoke to the right people. She's had conversations with people in the community. She's done her bit, which I think is the important piece. I think with this world, and I think the same as everything is, as I say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So mm. I'll happily help anyone. 
but people also need to then go and do their own little bit of research because I'm not them. I can't tell them what's good for them. Um, I can only present the information and the facts that I have. So, mm. And you do have a great network. So obviously you're, you're based more rurally, but you have your connections in London and that's where most of your work comes from. Um, so, you know, and UK based, as you've said, you know, you're, you're branching out further and further now as well. So you really do have that network to, to be able for people to be able to build within and, uh, and find those roles for them. Yeah, definitely. So majority of the work that I've done previously is all in Norwich or Norfolk and Suffolk. My business is more focused on London, um, through, Stuart moving to Manchester. I've mm. started to look into that area. It's a great place in the world for the tech community. There's a lot of big companies there. Um, you know, so I got three places mapped out very well, but if people are based further north, they're based in Cambridge or they're based down in the south, you know, there's I think it's just just putting yourself out there to ask them questions. Or go on Eventbrite, type in tech networking and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of free networking events. So and they're good fun as well. Sometimes you get free drinks. So you yeah. do like a networking event. <laughs> yeah. The ones in the ones in London, they're always good. They're always good. I'm always on event right, having a little scour through, see where I can see where I can pop up, show my face and get some people. <laughs> yeah. It's always good. So what's the what's the best way to, to reach out to you then? So probably via LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. A very old school recruiter way. So yeah. Uh, just look for Jamie Norrington or Fadaris is is the best probably best way to get hold of me. Um, connect with me on there, message me, ask me questions. Like I said, if I don't know the answer, I'll find someone that does. Um, or if you just want to know what's a good networking event or where can you look for this information, if I've got if I know it, then I'll I'll happily ping you back and, and let you know. If you want to talk to me, message me again and we'll set up a call. Um, like I said, I'm not a careers advisor. Um, I guess I am in a some yeah. sort of way, um, you know, but then the same, then the flip side is if people have got like ideas around technology or they're in tech and they want to set up their own business, also message me. I've set up my own business. I understand that process, but I'm also linked in with the NatWest Accelerator Group who are a big sort of startup funding platform um, and support entrepreneurs. I'm linked in with the female tech entrepreneurs. So that's a group exclusively for females in tech who want to start their own tech platforms. So even from that side of the network, if you're not just looking to get into technology, but you're already in it, or you have an idea for a tech platform, I know people that can help you with startups. So I guess my... um, my ego's just growing here with the amount of people that I hope this is me, but you know. <laughs> see how it goes, see how it goes. No, see how it goes. But yeah, definitely LinkedIn. So brilliant. I love LinkedIn. It's a good good it's a good tool. Very good tool for networking. Yeah. So yeah. All good. Well I think that brings us to an end then. Um thank you so much for, for coming on and and uh, and talking with me. It's been great. And uh, I, I really hope that the business keeps growing and uh, the the rapid pace that it has been and um you're able to, to branch out to those areas you want to and, and get more people into into the right roles for them. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks very much for listening. And um, please join again soon.